Hi, and welcome to Sip, Sip, Hooray, the podcast for people who like wine, but not all the fussiness or snobbery that sometimes comes along with it. You know, maybe you've heard of a little wine called Chardonnay. It's kind of popular. Well, our guest today has a connection to nearly every glass or bottle of California Chardonnay that you probably have ever tasted. That's because her family planted Chardonnay Chardonnay grapes so many years ago in California that today, approximately 80% of California Chardonnay comes from that same Wente clone. She is Nikki Wente, a fifth-generation member of the Wente family, and Nikki spends her days managing the Wente vineyards. We are super excited to get to know her today, and we know that you're going to enjoy her as much as we do. We are, of course, the two Marys who like to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm Mary Babbitt. I'm the other Mary, Mary Orlin. And, you know, the Wentys are also known as California's first family of Chardonnay. And they are celebrating 138 years of winemaking here in the Livermore Valley, a region deeply rooted in America's and California's wine culture. As a fifth generation wine grower, you'll find Nikki at home in the family vineyards where she oversees grape growing. And as they say, great wine starts in the vineyard, and Nikki's here to give us the dirt. Welcome, Nikki, to Sip Sip Hooray. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you guys today. Well, Super fun. <laughs> great for us, too. And tell me what that's like being a part of the fifth generation. And at what point in your life did you get a seat at the, the big table, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like moving from the kids' table to now I'm part of the, 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 the team. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, We like still consider ourselves in the fifth generation at the kids table. (laughs) We are like, oh no, the real adults over there (laughs) and we're the fake adults. And I think my my cousin Carl is in his forties now. And my cousin Christine is also in her forties. We're still the kids, (laughs) but no, it's been uh, really amazing to be a part of such a long lineage of wine makers and wine growers. Um, So I, I mean, I think that as soon as I started working for my family in 2017 is really when they wanted to hear every every opinion I had and really took everything I said very seriously about how we can improve, how we can, what we're doing really well, what needs work. And um, that, that was a really exciting step for me. Um, but I, I think the most important part about our family was that there was just never any pressure to be a part of this business. Um, we, we, we like, we started doing, sorry, I can talk for hours. So I apologize in advance, but <laughs> that's what we're here for yeah. actually. So go for it. You just go girl. Um, <laughs> so we started doing a family council back in, gosh, I want to say 2007, maybe, um, or maybe 2006. So a long time we've been doing a family council meeting. And when we were really young, we were joining the family council meeting and we learned a little bit about the business and we set all of these different guidelines that we'd like to follow as a family. And one of them was, there's no pressure to be a part of this business. You do what you want to do. And the other guidelines were, if you do want to be a part of this business, you need to work somewhere else for three to five years and then come back um, so that you feel like you can really contribute and you don't feel like everything you learned was from your parents or from your cousins. And then on the other, the flip side of that is you're not here for a free ride. Right. You have experience and knowledge that you're bringing to the program too. Right. And another one was that we actually have to apply for jobs and it has to be an open position. There's no creation of positions for a family member. 
um, and we might be scanned just like every other candidate, have to do some interviewing, all of that. And then the last stipulation is no no in-laws. <laughs> Our husbands aren't allowed to work for the business. <laughs> that's that's a good policy. Yeah. That's interesting. Good for you guys. Yeah. Well, it's how, and everybody was in agreement. This all works. Yeah, it all worked. And um, it, it's their guidelines, you know, more than anything. So there's definitely exceptions to the rule. I only worked... I, we, we started at three years and then we moved to five years outside. I only did three years outside, but it was when a position opened up that mm -hmm. was right for me. Um, so I was encouraged to apply f by my family. And so that's kind of how it all shook out. <laughs> so let's talk about your family and the fourth generation. Yes. So uh, the fourth generation is my father, Phil, my aunt, Carolyn, and my uncle, Eric. Um, they are a group of truly incredible people. Um, my dad is my idol. I, If I could grow up to be anyone in the world, I would choose him. Um, he is just the, like every person that I talked to that worked for my dad in the vineyard says he's the best boss they ever had. Oh, that's nice. And, yeah, I mean, and he's just an incredible person and he's so smart. Um, and so I, I aspire to be him. We call him Philopedia because he seems to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then my Aunt Carolyn is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, she's been uh, the strongest female role model I've ever had. Uh, I, she's trailblazing along mm -hmm. the way, creating AVAs, you know, setting up a, a hospitality business when we didn't, that wasn't really all that popular back mm -hmm. in the day to have a restaurant and a golf course and uh, all of these concerts and different things. It's, it wasn't very common. So she definitely is just such an inspiration. And she's so fun and funny as well, which I love. Well, <laughs> you may not know this, but Mary and I were here over 15 years ago. We had a TV show called In Wine Country, uh -huh. and we featured Wenty, and we did a lot of work with Carolyn. We did. We really oh, enjoyed awesome. her. We cooked with her. We yeah. gardened with mm -hmm. her. We talked wine with her. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, you can take her out into a garden, and she could name, like, every weed species. Like, she is so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I, she's just an awesome awesome human being. And my uncle Eric it has always been kind of the backbone of the family. Um, my my grandfather passed away when my dad was 26. And so Eric was 27. And Carolyn, I believe, was 22, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so really young. And they all were kind of just Stunned. pushed into yeah. the role. And Eric was pushed into CEO without even knowing it hit him. Um, and it, he was just such a, a good, solid family member to, to lean on for Carolyn and my dad, which has been incredible. You're so fortunate. What a wonderful family and how nice that you you speak so highly of everyone. And that doesn't always happen in big families, particularly <laughs> big families that have a big name and a big reputation. So um, hats off to you, Wenties, for keeping it together yeah. <laughs> and being nice to one another and all that. I should mention, we are actually at Wenty Vineyards. I don't know if we said that off the top. And what space are we in? Right outside the door, you can see it's beautiful. There's gardens and vines, and we are just, it's really... Right, and off in the distance, you see some of the greens for the golf course. Uh-huh. Yes. We are at uh, what we call our Cresta Blanca um, event center right now and it's actually where our main tasting room is for Wenty Vineyards now. We used to be located over on Tesla Road in Livermore where our main tasting room was but because of COVID and our production facility being there we actually moved the main tasting room to this location. Um, so it is really pretty and picturesque when you walk up. I can't imagine wine tasting in any 
worst conditions. I know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Really you nice. probably have a hard time having people leave yeah. at the end <laughs> of the day. It's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. We, we've had this property since um, 19, uh, 1980. Uh, we actually purchased this property to be our sparkling wine cellars for our 100th year anniversary. And, cool. ni- and that was 1983 would have been our 100th year anniversary. Wow. And that's when we started making sparkling wine. So this was our sparkling winery over here. And um, we've since then we've transitioned it into event space and restaurant and tasting room and a bunch of different things. But it's lived many wonderful lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that history, you guys celebrated 135 years is that what we said 138 138 yeah it's pretty crazy (laughs) yeah I mean that's really huge in California right absolutely um it's really incredible and I, I honestly whenever I think about it we couldn't do it without the great employees who are a part of our family. We, my manager has worked for us for 45 years. Wow. And one of our other vineyard managers has worked with us for 47 years. Um, that so says a lot. That says a lot, right? Yes. And, mm-hmm. and they're good, good people. And it's great to it. have that type of longevity to, they know the vineyards, they know the business, right. they've seen the changes, they roll with the punches. Right. I'm sure you must learn so much from them. Oh, absolutely. They've named every single vine. You know, like, <laughs> they're on a first name basis. <laughs> well, let's talk about how you decided to get into the vineyard side of the family business and what drew you to that and, and what did it take? You know, did you go to school for that? What was the process for you? Yeah. Um, so as I already mentioned, I, I have idolized my dad since <laughs> I was very young. Um, but he uh, was in charge of our vineyards when we uh, when I was growing up. He was our vineyard manager. And um, I always loved being around him and going to work with him. And I didn't really realize it was an option for me to have that be my career. Um, but I was a very energetic child. So my dad um, had suggested, you know, do you want to try an internship over summer and you can work with our viticulturist Jackie and she'll show you the ropes and you can be outside every day and I was like I can work and be outside every day and that was like the sold moment I think I was 13 or 14 uh, and unpaid internship you know just going in and helping Jackie with whatever she had to do Uh, I was small so they would throw me into the the meter for our underground water meters. They like they'd put me in the meter box to read meters and stuff. It was not the best job at all times, but it was still a lot of fun. And I learned so much about all the different vineyard pests and how we can improve quality through different cultural practices. And I just, I was hooked and I always was a, sci- a science and math brain. So mm. it was only the next step to really just focus on chemistry and biology. Well, it's so cool to see women really shine in the science, in agriculture, because it's not, there's not a lot of you, not a lot of us in those careers, you know, it's so male dominated. Totally. Um, I, I, I was very fortunate. I have been very fortunate to have almost all of my managers in the wine industry, like as I grew up, were female. Uh, when I worked for Wenty, uh, when I was in high school, just interning, my two different managers were both female. 
Uh, and then when I went to Gallo uh, during college for an internship, my manager was female. And then when I worked at Henneas Vintners, my manager was also female. Um, so I, I've really lucked out to have a lot of strong female leading role models that have kind of taught me that my voice is important and mm -hmm. I deserve to be heard. I deserve a seat at the table. And if people aren't listening, just talk a little louder. <laughs> Good. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel that as a woman, you bring anything different to it? Your dad has been, you know, you speak so highly of the work that he's done. Is there anything as a, as a woman that you either do differently or see differently than him? Or, or do you not see the gender difference necessarily? I don't see the gender difference. I think women generally have pretty high empathy. Uh, and so I think I'm a very empathetic leader and I know that about myself. I try and put myself in everyone's position before I make any decisions. Um, but my dad also did that as well. So I don't think it was any change from his leadership, but he hasn't actually worked in the, the vineyards for, I think he uh, moved to just being a, on the board of directors uh, in 2002. So it's been a little while mm -hmm. since he's been there. But um, I, I think our team is becoming really great communicators, which has been a challenge in the past. Uh, and I, I'm really proud of all the growth that they've had. I don't know if it's because of me, but I, I hope I have had some sort of impact. <laughs> and, and how big a, um, a vineyard space are we talking about? How many acres of vines are you managing? Yeah, so we have um, in Livermore right now planted, we have about 1,500 acres. And then in Arroyo Seco, we have about 1,000. And Arroyo um, Seco is in southern Monterey County. Yes, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, and we have about, between the two, we probably have 1,000 acres in rotation, so waiting to be planted. Wow, that's no small feat. That's a lot to keep an eye on. Now, how yeah. often do you have you go between your Livermore properties and the Arroyo Seco properties? I'm usually there once a week at the very least. I'm going tomorrow, so that'll be my day <laughs> down south. But uh, if it gets into a busier season or they need extra help, I usually go down twice a week. And what are the things you're working on right now in the vineyards? We are in summer. This is a hot summer, a hot and dry summer. I don't know if it's hotter than usual or just drier than usual, but um, what, what's going on in the vineyards right now for you? Yeah, so it's actually, weirdly enough, it's colder than normal. Um, we've, had, we've had some heat waves, like right now we're experiencing one, um, but it's generally actually been kind of cold and windy. Our wind has increased I think about three miles per hour on average compared to previous five years um, which is strange and uh, uh, the temperature were really on par with 2019 um, almost exactly the same in growing growing degree days so was that a good year for wine <laughs> 2019 was a great year for wine okay good. yeah okay. it was a little later on harvest oh. um, because it was a little colder but I actually prefer that because the longer that the vines are able to mature the fruit if it's a slower ripening period you generally have better quality because there's more flavor development more time mm -hmm. for um, the right tannins to develop as well as getting really great anthocyanins that will develop into beautiful color in the red grapes uh, and actually be extractable. <laughs> mm -hmm. if, it, if it ripens too quickly, there's not as much extractable anthocyanin, so your wines don't generally have quite as much color. So I just learned a new vocabulary word, <laughs> anthocyanin. <laughs> anthocyanin, it's the color molecule. I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it pays to increase your word power, so there you go. <laughs> so with um, 
factors like the wind speed increasing. I'm sure you all must be thinking about climate change, about how to adapt to that through your farming practices. What are you doing? Yeah, so we are certified sustainable by the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance. And sustainability is always, you know, top of mind. How can we leave the, the earth in a better place than when we started? But more than that, it's, you know, how can we be better to our neighbors? How can we be great to our employees? How can we make sure we're here tomorrow to supply jobs um, and wonderful experiences where people can connect? Um, and so in the vineyards, we're really focused on how can we sequester as much carbon as possible and keep it in the soil. So we run no-till systems, so no breaking up of the soil. Every time you disc or rototill, you're actually releasing carbon into the atmosphere, which is worse for greenhouse gas emissions. You know, tilling and disking used to be such a big practice. I can remember when we were shooting our TV show and we were actually filming the tractors as they yeah. were disking. And yeah. thinking, right. Oh, how cool is that? I didn't right. know that about the carbon. Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Right. And so if you don't till or disk also, you're allowing native grasses to be predominantly growing. And as soon as you till or disk, you're actually opening up for noxious weeds that are invasive. Oh, wow. And then they're really sucking up all the water and they're also invasive species that you don't really want growing in this area anyways. So um, we just mow down our, our native grasses uh, when they dry out in the middle of the season. Okay. Um, and we make our own compost from all of the pumice in the winery and we have a local neighbor that actually drops off some composted horse manure and <laughs> and uh, she mixes that into our, our our pumice piles and we do some wood chipping as well to increase organic matter in the compost um, so it's kind of a fun project um, and then we also just started grazing instead of using a disc in some of our fallow blocks it's actually been a huge help to, to not have to disc um, we just put the sheep out there and they go crazy, and it's also adorable. Like, they yeah. brought out a bunch of babies. Oh. It was so cute. <laughs> I bet that was your favorite place to be for a bit. Oh, yeah. I was, like, out there just taking videos. They're like, Nikki, you have to work also. You can't just be. It is work. I'm supervising the sheep. Yeah, someone has to make sure that a coyote doesn't get them. They're like, that's what the dogs are for. Mm. But um, that whole notion towards sustainability, um, some of it is, it seems like common sense and maybe even oh, you know, like just letting the native weeds grow as opposed to tilling and then you might get an invasive. Right. So that almost sounds simple, but I know it's it's extra effort because you're not just spraying willy-nilly and you're not being um, reckless with how you're, you're not looking for the easiest, cheapest way to do things. You're right. looking for the best way to do things. And um, I, I love that that's a driving factor for you guys. Does it increase the workload a lot? I, it increases the planning a lot because really our our overall objective is to be, have the least amount of inputs into the vineyard. If I don't have to drive a tractor through the vineyard as often, I'm bettering my soil health because the compaction that happens when you drive a tractor through there, it's also re releasing CO2 from, so it's not great for greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so if, if we can figure out like, oh, we actually don't need to do this because it, we, we're in a good place right now, or if we can eliminate chemicals, um, it's actually better in a lot of regards. It yeah. saves a lot of time. But the planning aspect to go in and, and, you know, really go through everything one by one to make sure you're prescribing everything specifically for the needs of that particular block, that varietal, is a little bit more challenging. But the team has been really great at 
figuring this out together um, and everyone speaks up, which is so important because mm -hmm. if I create a plan that's not gonna work, um, if they don't tell me it's not gonna work, then how are we gonna get it done? Right. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we gotta work together mm -hmm. to make sure that it's possible. Um, so I have a really awesome team that has been so helpful with this kind of craziness that is sustainability, but it is so important. You well, know? and you guys have been at it for a while. I remember your Aunt Carolyn talking to us about the garden, which was providing uh, produce for the restaurant, and it was a passion of hers to um, work with nature, not against nature, to be a, a force of, uh, of agricultural health in the area as opposed to, you know, any kind of detrimental effects of your winery. Right, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's definitely something that we're focused on and you know we're even supporting the kiss the ground movement which is it's a Netflix, <laughs> what is that? It's a Netflix documentary um, but Ooh. also an organization uh -huh. that focuses on t training uh, farmers to be regenerative farmers so really looking at that closed loop system so explain regenerative farming so regenerative farming is basically how can we do um, instead of just stopping with co2 emissions and you know all the things like instead of just saying we're gonna stop right now, it's, but how can we improve it? How can we make it better? And so they're really focused on soil health and how can we actually get more carbon from the atmosphere and reverse climate change into the soil? So how, how can we trap it in the soil and reverse climate change rather than just saying, okay, if we stop now, we should be okay. No, let's actually make it better. Yeah. Um, so and it's a really cool initiative. I love that. And also it's really hard to have everybody stop now. Right. We've seen that with gas cars and everything. So, you know, people aren't ready to stop now. Right. You know, we're, we're getting there, but. Right. So if we can start to, you know, inch by inch do better, you know, and, and actually reverse some stuff, that can help for the people who aren't stopping right now. I mean, I personally don't have an electric car, um, so I, I totally get it, mm -hmm. but I would love an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> right. We need to get some charging stations at work, I think. There you go. There you go. That, that and you can you know that would be a draw for folks yeah right mm -hmm. i think so <laughs> so um we heard that you were uh, a guest at the sustainability summit that wenty was involved with that yeah um it was a few months ago virtually it was really awesome to just hear some of the other winemakers and and winery owners and how they're managing different sustainable practices um, a lot of them are really focused on, you know, reduction of chemicals. How can we incorporate, you know, natural elements like grazing? Um, and how can, like, the least input, you know, how can we just really try and make really high-quality grapes that don't have 100 passes, 100 touches on that, on that vine, mm -hmm. um, which was super fun to just be a part of. <laughs> are other wineries turning to you guys for advice? We've definitely got a lot of people reaching out to us because we just recently purchased mo two Monarch tractors, which are electric tractors. Mm. Um, they're actually the first two that they produced. So oh, brand really? new company. Cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we're really excited about mm -hmm. them. Um, and I've had like almost like hundreds of people reaching out like, Hey, can I come see the tractor? <laughs> <laughs> A tractor doesn't sound that sexy or attractive, but you know, very important in the yeah. wine world yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're made to be autonomous as well so they're like oh, smart tractors okay. with all these cameras all over the place um, wow. and they like no human like if you like wave in front of it it'll stop and like you can like hand signal it to to go right and left and different things if you would like to how cool it's really interesting it's really cool yeah. it's really cool to see technology being adapted into 
farming practices. Totally. I think there, there's such a lag in getting new technology into agriculture and it's so important. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we can get more investors in businesses like Monarch that are really trying to push the envelope, like how can we be better for the environment, but also better for farm workers? Because if I can have one guy operating three tractors on mm -hmm. an iPad in one block and he knows where they all are, he can see them on the iPad and knows it's safe. That's a lot. That's huge time savings. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Is this something that you went after? Like you heard about this and like, we want one. I need one of those. Yeah. So actually it's funny. I they need three of those. <laughs> I actually take as many as you have. Um, they actually approached us because they were out of um, Fremont, which is just, mm -hmm. it's really close to Livermore. Mm -hmm. And they were driving the tractors all the way up to the Sonoma coast and it was taking them so long to get back and forth to just do some tests. Mm -hmm. And they asked us if they could just trial the tractors on our property on either a fallow block or if we would let them drive in our vineyard as they started to develop it. And we said, absolutely, we love seeing new technology. Uh, kind of gives us the inside scoop, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, after about a year of partnership of them being on our property and asking us questions, how can they improve? Um, we actually applied for a grant from the Bay Area Air Quality District, and they actually paid for the two tractors 100%. So go That's after grant awesome. money. <laughs> it's out <Yeah>. there. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's a good takeaway. <laughs> right. For our wine, our wineries that are listening. Yeah, exactly. Many wineries are Very listening. cool. <laughs> well, we've got some wine in front of us, and I'm excited to talk to you about this rosé you have because your name is on the label. Yes, I know. It was such an exciting milestone for me. Um, is that this one? Can yes, the Nikki's Rosé. Okay, yeah. Yes, it's made from Pinot Aww. Noir grapes, uh, and 100% Pinot Noir and from our Arroyo Seco Monterey vineyards. And uh, Pinot Noir is near and dear to my heart. So it was a blessing that they allowed me, my family trusted me, to be involved in this wine. <laughs> so, yeah, how do you get, how do you wind up on the label? Like, how did that, was that a the family discussion too or <laughs> yeah so we actually were all the whole family was in a marketing meeting and we used to do like a monthly marketing meeting where they would just update us on some of the different things that they were up to and um they wanted to revamp our rosé label and they didn't know what they wanted to do with it but they wanted to change some things and um my uncle eric has his own Chardonnay, it's yes. the Eric Chardonnay, mm -hmm. I know it. <laughs> and he was like, oh, what if we made it like a namesake wine like the Eric? So then it's like it fits in, like it's in a line yeah. rather than just being its own standalone. And um, I had thrown out, oh, we should make it Jordan's. And then, because my sister's name is Jordan, uh, my eldest sister. Wait a minute, you threw out your sister's name first? I did. Oh, that's so nice. I never would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, oh, Mary, Mary, how about Mary? Yeah. <laughs> And then my family actually was like, well, Nikki, you really love Pinot Noir and you're in the vineyards already and you've already actually made one wine, so you clearly have an interest. Would you be interested in kind of making a bigger production wine? And I, I was very excited. Um, it's a little like almost embarrassing sometimes when the wine has your name on it, but <laughs> I, I've gotten a little used to it with the last mm -hmm. name always mm -hmm. being on the bottle. Right. <laughs> oh, it's a great rosé. It I is. love it. It's nice and dry, but yet it still has that juicy strawberry fruit. 
Right, like it's like thirst, mm. quen- like thirst yeah. quenching, yes. Yes. but it has that really great acid that mm-hmm. ties it all mm-hmm. together and mm-hmm. makes you yeah. want another sip. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> not too sweet, just right. It's Thank really you. lovely. How fun. And what is it about Pinot Noir that you like? Yeah, so after I graduated from Cal Poly, so I studied wine and vi- I think I missed that part. I studied oh. wine and viticulture at Cal Poly. Oh, fun. My son is at Cal Poly right now oh, in business, awesome. but he'll be a junior this year. My husband was a business major at Cal Poly. Oh, is that where you guys met? No, I, we missed each other by, I graduated high school and he was graduating college. Oh, okay. So, but he actually grew up with my sister, Allie, her husband. They grew up together. Oh, so cool. they introduced us and the rest is history. <laughs> two years married. <laughs> yes, two years married. Um, but after I graduated Cal Poly, I, I liked to drink wine, but I really mostly just drank Chardonnay. Uh, it was like a comfort zone mm-hmm. and I would sometimes have Cabernets, but not all that much. And then uh, when I moved to San Francisco, I started drinking a lot more wine because there's so many great wine bars and (laughs) all these fun things in San Francisco. Uh, And then I got a job at Hineas Fittner's working for The Prisoner, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they sold The Prisoner right Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. I started working, maybe a month or two. So they um, asked me if I would take on a different opportunity with them, kind of covering all the brands. So doing Flowers, Quintessa, Faust, Illumination. Lovely labels. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Um, And that's when my love affair with Pinot Noir started because I just loved the flowers Pinot Noir. Oh, that's it's, such a beautiful one. Oh my gosh, yeah. to this day, consistently it's still beautiful. My, yeah, consistently beautiful, consistently exactly what you're looking for. Really um, delicate fruit flavors. They're not trying to punch out the fruit too much, mm-hmm. which is I love Pinot in its true form. You know, yes. and I, I love a good fruity Pinot too. But you know, Pinot Noir just has such a special place in my heart because of flowers and all of the beautiful vineyards that they were buying and, and growing grapes from. They have a beautiful estate vineyard as well. Um, so I'm now a Pinot girl for life and it's all thanks to flowers. <laughs> <laughs> well, this Pinot, this rosé with Pinot Noir grapes is delicious. Hey, I'm wondering, I'm thinking about you at Cal Poly in the viticulture program, but with your family, with your last name being Wenty, were you expected to be like the provide wine for everybody friend you know <laughs> like I'm just trying to think about what that look like like hey you guys let's let's meet up and who'll bring some yeah that's <laughs> so funny Mickey, what um, you got? so I think my senior year of college really that's when pe- my friends started having like a bigger interest in wine mm-hmm. so not until then and then people would be like oh do you have any wine did your parents send you any <laughs> did you ga- grab some the last time you were home but before that uh I don't, my friends didn't really drink all that much wine, so I got to keep anything for myself. <laughs> gotcha. Share it with just a few people. Yeah, yeah, you have your own college, stash. Yeah, right. College students aren't known for their really, um, you know. High-end wine consumption. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bingo. <laughs> well, this is really nice. And you have an, uh, another bottle, too, I think, for us, yeah? Yes. So we have our Chardonnay here. And that's what we were talking about. Of course Everybody we have to have a Chardonnay, Chardonnay clones. That is so interesting to me that um, California Chardonnays in large part all connect back to your family. Yeah. Um, we. Uh, my sister Allie actually did the tracing for... Oops, sorry, I think I'm a little far from the mic. That's okay. <laughs> uh, my sister Allie actually did the tracing for that Chardonnay story, um, looking at the different clones that could be traced back to us and all of the people that have the old heritage um, Wenty clone as well, because there's still some of that floating around um, in 
Napa, Sonoma, Monterey, you know, all over the place. Um, and she had to actually call a bunch of different wineries. I think it was, gosh, maybe 2009. Wow. <laughs> and she was just calling people like, hey, um, it says you have Wenti clone in your winemaker notes. Could you uh, talk about where you got that? And <laughs> And so she like did a little map of like all of the vineyards. Oh, that's that cool. So she from. did a little detective work. Yeah, that's a cool project. Super yeah. fun project for. It. She was a senior in high school, so it was oh, like neat. something that she could do over the summer mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. actually is kind of meaningful, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so really exciting to have such a lineage with Chardonnay. But yeah, and what does that mean to you guys? Like, to do you hear from other? I don't know. I just feel like that's. Uh, it's like kind of. We talked about it earlier, but California royalty in the wine world, and that must be pretty special. Yeah, it's it's funny. Some people are um, very well informed and are like, "Oh my gosh, Wenti Vineyards, the Wenti Clone, it's amazing!" I like you guys have this crazy history. And then others are when I say, you know, my last name, or I'm going wine tasting somewhere, and I make a reservation for Nikki Wenti, and they go, "Oh, is that Wenti like the Wenti Clone?" <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Spelled the same, exact same. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's I, it really is all a labor of love that my great grandfather Ernest Wenty had for Chardonnay, and he went through meticulously and would select the vines that were really beautiful, had great clusters, and and great. Um, vegetative growth that looked really healthy and also had the best flavor profile and he would mark those vines and that's where the selection process started so all of the vines that really had the powerful flavors um, were the ones that were propagated uh, and so it really created you know that signature California Chardonnay flavor profile mm -hmm. that everyone knows like mm -hmm. can you describe it for me it can go anywhere from golden apple if you've gotten it a little bit um, on the less ripe side, so maybe around 23 bricks, 20, 22 and a half, 23 bricks, and then into the tropical fruit where you're getting almost into like papaya, mm -hmm. um, maybe banana even, and um, it's just pretty incredible. And also the different AVAs that it's grown in, it, it really does show itself so wonderfully different in all these different places. Um, this wine that we're drinking is from Arroyo Seco, and it is beautifully tropical and it's because it has such a long growing season there uh, we don't harvest this wine until october or really into november usually that's so late for chardonnay and i mean i'm not even a wine expert i feel like i know that that's late yeah um when i worked at flowers we were almost done with chardonnay by like september 7th like it's mm, so early yeah, uh -huh. but that was also in drought years so take that with a grain of salt mm -hmm. everything's sooner when it's drought but um uh but yeah or, just the length of time to ripen down in rose oh yeah all that fog really allows that growing season to be long we pick it at around 24 bricks so it's not like over ripe or anything it just takes forever so what is the name of this wine? because i know all your chardonnays have different names yes this is our riva ranch chardonnay and I always like to call myself a Riva Diva. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it is one of my very favorites. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. And Thank I do you. get that tropical, that lovely. The pineapple. Mm -hmm. It's, it's um, kind of lush in your mouth, but not overly, like not too much. You know what I mean? It, it, Absolutely. Yeah. It has, it has a nice creaminess to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of... Um, oak aging for this wine 90% is oak aged in barrel uh, and then 10% in stainless steel and um, about 40% new and of the of that 90% 
um, and the rest is second and third use, but still gets that good oxygen oxygenation. Thanks. There you go. <laughs> Hard to say. Well, what is that? So for our listeners that don't know why, what does the oak do for the wine that, that you guys like? Yeah. So the new oak will impart flavors of that oak, um, whatever you've, whatever you've picked. So if it's American oak, it usually goes something a little bit richer, um, and almost bolder. So it's like kind of right out in the front. Um, and people can sometimes put that alongside with like butteriness, um, and then when you go into French oak, you're getting more of like the vanilla and mm -hmm. spices, baking spices. Um, and then also it your char on the barrel as well can impact some of those flavors. We usually do a light char for the Chardonnays um, because we don't want any of that. Uh, we don't want a smoky flavor right. in, in the wine. Um, but then... Uh, if it's neutral, so if it's two or three years old, two, you might get a little bit of that oak flavor in there, but with three years, it's neutral. So there's actually no flavor from the oak coming in and it's just a vessel that's porous. Uh, and so what the air does is it actually provides its own level of creaminess. Um, it's more of a mouthfeel and texture thing though, uh, rather than actual flavor. And it just makes it a little bit bigger in your mouth. So it almost like fills out the mid palate. So yeah. when you take a sip, it's not just going straight back. It's like you feel warm all through your mouth. Oh, that's such a great way to describe it. That was good. <laughs> mm -hmm. I felt like I learned a little yeah. something. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so when you're not working in the vineyards, what do you like to do? How do you get away from the business and relax? I love, in the winter, I love going to Tahoe and snow skiing. Mm -hmm. um, it's very fun. I recently had a knee injury, so I wasn't able to ski for a year, and I swear it was the longest winter. Oh, no. <laughs> it takes forever, those uh, knee injuries. Mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. Luckily, that was actually in, like, right before all of the shutdown in 2020. So they closed the, the ski resorts anyways. They but didn't miss anything, Didn't really. miss much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but... I love hiking. I, I have a dog I absolutely adore. Uh, it's my it's my pseudo child. <laughs> and her name is Riley. And I love horseback riding. Uh, my uncle has six horses. He's a huge cowboy man, Eric. Uh, and he has graciously allowed me and my husband to adopt two of his horses. Mine is Romeo and my husband's hmm. is Rio. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I think I remember your Aunt Carolyn rode horses too, yeah? Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's been a family tradition for many years. Um, but I think Carolyn and my dad are probably not riding quite as much as Eric is. Mm -hmm. He's been very into it for his, his whole life. <laughs> And is it something your husband already knew, or is that is that part of being in the Wenty family now? He's riding horses with you. Yeah, it's, it, we've we've trained him. <laughs> I also train him to like Chardonnay. He used to be a no Chardonnay guy, and now oh, it's his drink of choice. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us a little bit more about your dog. What type of dog? She is a rescue. Um, we got her DNA t tested like a couple years ago. Cause that we is so funny to me that people are testing their dog's DNA. I I, like it's like 23 me for dogs, I right? Know. I got it for my husband as a Valentine's day gift. as like mm -hmm. a joke <laughs> <laughs> and we did it. And she came back, um, like 65%, uh, Australian herder breeds. Um, so like border collie, Australian shepherd, all of those different Queensland healer. Uh, and then 
12% Maltese, 12% Pomeranian, 12% Rottweiler. You've got a lot going yeah, on. I was yeah. like, I would love to know what happened with that Maltese and the Rottweiler. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you get the dog to spit into the vial for the? <laughs> <laughs> you actually just swab their mouth with a Q-tip. Okay. So it's really easy. Um, and she is like the sweetest thing. Like she just wants love. So if you're holding mm-hmm. her, she'll let you do whatever. Oh, that's great. <laughs> And so in, uh, give us an idea of a typical day for you. Are you out in the vine in the vineyards early? Um, and, and is it really physical? What are you doing on the daily? Yeah, so I wish I was out in the vineyard more than I actually am, but I, I am out in the vineyard daily. Uh, and I'm, what I'm usually doing is checking on our operations, so making sure that everyone out in the field is doing okay and that they don't need anything, that they are in line with what they are supposed to be doing. They have no questions. And then I'm also checking on vine health and fruit quality. So I'm looking at any pest problems that we might have, seeing that the irrigation was turned on properly, um, monitoring our growth phases, um, a bunch of different stuff, looking at any sort of issues with like tall grasses that we might need to go mow and creating a plan based off of that. Um, and then. I'm in a lot of strategic planning meetings too. So those are the, the less fun parts of my day when I'm not out in the field, but I'm actually in the, in the office planning, you know, how can we continue to push our team further? What kind of development trainings do we need? Um, what do we want to do with vineyard planting? Because we, we need to start planting a significant amount of grapes. So where do we want to plant? What do we want to plant? How do we want to do it? Um, what's the trellis system we want? All of that. Anything you can share with us? Any new plans that are like for Shirzy that are you have the A-OK to share? Yeah, so we're definitely going to be planting a lot more Chardonnay, and we're definitely going to be planting some more Merlot. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. our, it's, our Merlot is, is just hotcakes off the shelf. We can't keep it in stock, so <laughs> we need more. That's um, great. Yeah. That's awesome to hear, especially after what Sideways did to Merlot. Oh, right. I know. I think it's having a comeback or something. All I think right. Something's happening. I hope yeah. so, because yes. that was just not fair. I know. <laughs> I love a good Merlot. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and we'll likely be planting some more Cabernet as well, but hopefully about 100 acres next year, and then 100 acres hopefully every year for the next 10 years. Here in Livermore or beyond? A mix between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, we do need to plant some Pinot Noir, but it's not the highest priority. We we definitely should in the next three years. So we'll probably go down south to Arroyo Seco pretty quick here. And I saw that you had some Cab Franc. Is that another plan for expansion of Cab Franc production? Or Yeah, we have so much Cab Franc planted right now. Because oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Because it, it's just, it grows so beautifully here. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful wine. Um, it gets beautifully ripe, so you don't have any of those green notes that you can get with an underripe Cab Franc. True. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still has that beautiful, nice acidity and a, a little bit of a, a, a thinness to it almost, but still has good body. So it's not quite as heavy as some of our bigger Cabernets, but um, definitely heavier than the, the Pinot, or a Pinot or an some of our Merlots as well, um, but it's it's just really lovely. Mm-hmm. And we have one more bottle yes. on the table, and that is the Cab Franc itself. That it was a glory. good segue. <laughs> Beautiful color. Thank you. All those anthocyanins. <laughs> <laughs> I'd already forgotten the word, darn it. <laughs> it's a beautiful purplish red. Yeah, it is lovely. So mm. perfumey. That's what I love about Cabernet Franc. You know, it just has this gorgeous floral, violet, rose nose. <laughs> rose, right. yeah. That's a good, you're right. Smells really good. A little bit of pepper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that's really nice. It's really beautiful. Little spice, yeah, but but also lush and that's and has some really dark fruit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's really good. Mm -hmm. And Mary's a big Cab Franc fan. I am. It's my favorite. Don't get her started. (laughs) (laughs) I won't bore you. I won't bore you. But this is beautiful, and I also get some black licorice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I went on a wine cruise in 2019 in Bordeaux. I was like the the guest winemaker that I would present our wines on the cruise ship um, down all of the all of the rivers. <laughs> so cool. it was a riverboat. Um, but uh, our tour guide on one of the days that we went out to see some of the the w- local wineries um, told me that they don't have Cab Franc by itself very often. And I brought a bottle of Cab Franc with me. So I gave it to him and I was like, you're going to have to drink it and you're going to have to tell me what you think. Because he was, just, when I handed it to him, he was like, oh no, a Cab Franc by itself. Like, <laughs> you'll like it. Just give it a chance. Yeah, because everything in Bordeaux are blends. Yeah, absolutely. And we do a lot of blending too, but we have a little bit more leeway in yes. California. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there definitely is some Petite Syrah in this wine, um, but not very much, probably about 4%. Mm, it's gorgeous. It's got a really great flavor to it. Yeah, I love this wine. So because you are young, I wondered if you had any advice for other young women interested in getting into uh, wine winemaking or uh, the viticulture side of things. Uh, is it a hard road and, and would you recommend it? I mean, it was part of your DNA really, but... Um, so your, your interest came, you came by your interest early and as part of growing up here, but for someone on the outside who didn't have that, like what, what, what advice would you give them? I would say follow your gut. Um, if you really love outdoor, being outdoors, if you really love, you know, biology and, and plant physiology, even like, even if you like just gardening a lot and it really brings you joy, uh, I would definitely consider it. It's not a career that's going to be easy, but I don't think any career is easy. Um, in this world, it's still pretty male dominated in general in the, in the workforce. So, um, get out there and follow your dreams. I I mean, I think there's a lot of female winemakers too nowadays. So I think there, it's definitely, things are changing, they're changing slowly, but you know, there's, there's progress. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd say, it's not something hard, but it definitely has to be a labor of love. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if it's a passion of yours, if you really love wine or love growing, um, I would definitely look into it. And there's so many advocates nowadays for, for female farmers and female winemakers. There's really a lot of resources to, to help you along mm-hmm. the way. And we got to want to wear boots and get dirty and have dirt in your fingernails you know that's all part of the package right absolutely Uh, I know I when I when I was um I can't remember where we were I think it was Sonoma maybe and I mentioned to a a wine steward that asked what what I do and I was like oh I I manage our vineyards he's like let me see your hands (laughs) right (laughs) I'll know I'll know if you're lying or not just Mm -hmm. by the way your fingers look Mm -hmm. (laughs) Were they gnarly? Um, they probably weren't because I was, you know, wine tasting in Sonoma. Okay. You know, so you I was to like, clean up I a bit. Swear, I I wash my hands regularly. <laughs> That's really fun. So, how often does the whole family get together? We try and get together for every holiday. So, you know, Easter, Christmas, um, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. all of the the big ones. But we also get together pretty regularly on an individual level. So I 
hang out with my cousin Carl all the time, and um, we hang out with my cousin Christine, especially when they're in Tahoe. We like to go visit them in Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my aunts and uncles will come over to my parents' house for dinner, and they'll throw us an invite. So it's really nice to be able to see everyone, you know, off the clock, not mm -hmm. on holidays. Mm -hmm. Holidays aren't really the clock, but, you know, it's right. like the standard mm -hmm. time to sure. see family. Sure. And you have how many siblings? There's three of us girls that my dad has. So. Okay, and are you are all three girls involved in the wine uh, yeah. in, in Wente? Yeah, so my oldest sister, Jordan, is um, she's actually just moving on to our marketing team now to manage our brand Myriad as well. So that's really exciting. She was previously on the production team um, doing you know, project management for procurement. So new glassware. She actually picked out the, the bottle that my rosé is in. Oh, good for her. Yeah, Nicely it's, done. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. bottle. Um, and then my, the middle sister is Allie and she is our VP of hospitality and marketing. So she's an amazing person. And uh, so is Jordan, of course, but she's, Allie's working her butt off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I am in charge of the vineyards. Nice. I think that's another reason one of the families gotten we get along so well is because every everyone kind of had their own path. Like well, that's we all, what I was going to ask. Did all three of you kind of gravitate towards what you were doing naturally? Yeah. I, so I probably had the most direct line to what I do. Um, Jordan wanted to be in um, architecture at first, and then she moved into political science and wanted to do some political campaigns and and that sort of career path. And then she ended up coming back towards the, the wine business and project management. Um, and then my sister Allie wanted to be a broadcast journalist. So a little bit different, but really kind of similar marketing has a lot in common with communications. It does. And a lot of people who leave the um, news biz end up going into uh, marketing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Communications, other communications jobs. So for people who are wanting to visit, are you guys back open now? And uh, you, cause you have a lovely tasting area. This is a great place to come. And I know things have been different with COVID. So where are you guys with uh, visitors now? We are open. Um, we are doing, I think only outdoor seating. I could be wrong on that. We might've opened for indoor now, but um, it is beautiful outside and there's lots of shade too. So on the, the heat spells like we're in right now, there's plenty of shade. Um, and I believe we're open for, um, rest uh, not restricted, that's not the right word, um, reduced hours. So just Friday through Sunday, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but we will likely be opening up more as, like as we progress to yes. the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, let's get there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And what do you wish people knew about the Livermore Valley? Because in some ways, you know, it can still be, we were talking earlier about, earlier today with friends about how if someone's coming from the East Coast to come out to California and have a wine experience, they just naturally think Napa. So what do you wish they knew about the Livermore Valley? I think that I wish people understood how easy it is to get here, uh, especially if you're flying into San Francisco for those coming from out of town. You can quite literally take Bay Area Transit to us in the Livermore Valley, which is really nice. Really um, nice. Yeah, so that kind of sets us apart. Um, there are a lot of wineries here. Uh, there's probably upwards of 50 now at this yes. point. Mm -hmm. So there's so much to see and do. Um, there's great bike paths as well. So there, there's a lot of outdoor activities for people who really love to, to be outside. And it's really, everyone always associates Livermore with the Central Valley, but we're actually a part of the Bay Area and it's 
quite nice here. It's not hot. <laughs> um, it is hot today, but that, again, it's a heat spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really close to like the Oak Knoll district in Napa is what I would say. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it does cool off here at night. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. We have the, the quickest dropping temperature in um, the Bay Area because the winds come in th- so strong from San Francisco that even if it does get really warm, it drops off within minutes mm-hmm. um, and you can see all of our beautiful windmills on the back side of our valley <laughs> on the hills that lead into the central valley uh, because we have such strong winds from that san francisco bay exactly well, we sure love being mm-hmm. out here and um always feels so peaceful when i walk you know when i drive into the wenty property and walk up to the tasting room it's just a ah, it's <laughs> lovely being here you see you sense the history and just the the care that your family has been putting into this endeavor for so many years it's cool Awesome. That's so nice. Thank you. (laughs) Well, it has been such a pleasure getting to know you, trying some of the wines and just, you know, finding out more about your family and your passion in the vineyard. Well, thank you. It's been so much fun talking with you guys, getting to know you guys. We've really enjoyed it. And I want our viewers to, uh, our listeners to find your Nikki's Rosé (laughs) because then they'll, having listened to you, they'll probably feel like they know you a bit and then they can taste your wine. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We sell from our website and it is available at some retail locations in certain states. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wish I had more on that. (laughs) That's always kind of tricky. Yeah. But it is, a you know, the Wenty name is well known. And so they're usually, your wines are usually widely available. I don't know about the rosé, but it's Rose is a little more sparse. Yeah, but, but there's always the website. That's yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you so much. What a pleasure. We're so grateful to you and sip, sip, hooray. Cheers. 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 Well, that's going to do it for our podcast today. Thank you for listening to Sip, Sip, Hooray. We hope if you enjoyed the show that you'll share it with your friends, your family. Spread the word about the Sip, Sip, Hooray podcast. And you can do that by, one, going to our website, sipsiphoorayspodcast.com. There you'll see all the different podcast platforms we are on. And go to your favorite one and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it drops. And be sure to follow us on social media. We are at Sip Sip Hooray Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and Sip Sip Hooray, the number one, on Twitter. Be sure to tag us with any photos, if you've tried any of these wines or been to the wineries. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. We want you in the Sip Sip Hooray family, so do stay in touch with us. And that's going to do it for us, Mary. It's time to go out and eat, drink, and be merry. Absolutely. We're going to pop the cork and raise a glass. (laughs) Cheers to you, Mary Orland. Cheers to you, Mary Babbitt. Sip Sip Hooray. Sip Sip Hooray. Hooray.